Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new. So, uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Lone Wolf, Lake Strikes and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SB Futures down 12, NASDAQ Futures down 10. So not much after yesterday's... Run up with three days in a row of run up. Do we have Mr. Brendan? Yes, sir. I'm here today. What's up? How are you? You're here mostly every Tuesday. So you're here this Tuesday. Yeah. You're very reliable, you know. Yeah. Even though you're Thank one you. of those attorney dudes, you're very reliable. <laughs> you know, that's not an oxymoron to be both reliable and an attorney. Well, you're, you, you guys are usually reliable, but you're always last minute. <laughs> The, the, the court guys yeah, are always I like... I try to plan things out further in advance in last minute. Well, that's, that's not a bad thing. So, uh, what, what is going on in your end of the world? I saw a blurb last night, and I thought I'd ask you a question. I know we've had this, uh, I, don't know, I won't say debate, but a discussion about uh, <clears throat> truth in government, and, uh, <clears throat> and especially when it uh, seems to hit up with Supreme Court justices where they say whatever they need to to get the job and then do whatever they feel like. Which also, you know, corresponds a little bit that you're supposed to grow in the job and all those things. But I was on a tech I was looking for last night, and I I, I just lapped onto uh, uh, I don't know what it was, Microsoft, and uh, they had a blurb there that somebody recently has just been going through uh, <coughs> Ted Kennedy's notes when he mm-hmm. was senator, and he was uh, uh <coughs> I guess he was head of the uh, judicial. Subcommittee, wasn't he, for a while? It was the Senate Committee, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, committee. and um, evidently when Sam Alito was approved at the committee meeting, and evidently Kennedy, as much as people may not like his politics, uh, virtually everybody said he was one of the best committee chairmen, like, ever. Because he always had the best people, was always prepared, always took great notes anywhere. In the committee meeting, he asked Alito reg- about the abortion situation. I'm not... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into a plus or minus on what the decision was, but and he said it's not a piece of law I would ever touch. It's it's uh, something that is based in the Fourteenth Amendment and something else. So it's it's established law as far as I'm concerned. Was the answer, mm-hmm. and he ended up writing the the opinion to overturn it. For Dobbs. Yep, I saw that article too. That uh, about the the disclosure of the Kennedy notes and what. But Alito told Kennedy at the time that Alito was uh, was appointed to the Supreme Court, 
And it, it is consistent with what we talked about before about people who you know, make bold-faced lies when they're uh, up for something. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I, I'd say in many cases, too, that uh, politicians do the same thing when they're going for office. But it's especially egregious, you know, when we're, regardless of whether it's, you know, far right, far left, people on the, on the court, my feelings are that when, when justices are appointed to the Supreme Court, they shouldn't be far left or far right. Ideally, when uh, questions are posed to the Supreme Court, you should be as close to 9-0 as possible. When I say close to 9-0, I don't mean because you've sat court one, uh, with one side or the other. But the law should be understood in a way that both sides reach a compromise and understand what the issues are, whether it's a, a, a corporate side or a, you know, a migrant side or a, an abortion side, pro or con, or whatever it is. But you should be able to reach a good consensus middle ground uh, on almost every case if you have judges who are not uh, ideological. And I think we've seen, uh, not just with the current Supreme Court composition, but over time in history, that, that there has been, a, I mean, you always hear references to a liberal court or a conservative court, and who appoints them, you know, a certain president appoints so-and-so, and therefore it's, it's left-leaning or right-leaning, as opposed to really looking for uh, middle-of-the-road, non-ideological, non-partisan judge justices. There wouldn't be any fun in that, would there? Well, I, I think there'd be a lot of fun at that to do some consistency, you would hope. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there'd be good work in it, but there wouldn't be no fun in it. wouldn't be able to fight back and forth like we do now. Well, that's presuming that you want to fight back and forth right now. I think the people um, that are st- stealing all the money from the, gov- from, the co- from the country want everybody else fighting back and forth. Well, that's true, because it's a distraction. If you're, if you're focused on whatever the issue happens to be, uh, you know, migrant rights, criminal rights, uh, abortion rights, that distracts from a lot of the, the, the other things that are going on. And, you know, I, I think that there's, there may be something to that, but I also think it's just a power play. You know, I think that um, people who uh, are in power want to stay in power and not necessarily govern. Well, yeah, and they're also, I think they're, they're, they act, and again, I have, a, I have arguments with uh, really everybody on the show, left and right, on, the, on this uh Brandon, it's, it's kind of interesting as I wander down this road because one of the, uh, actually the guy I enjoyed the most in class, uh, who I thought was just stone cold brilliant and just challenged you every day was, uh, well, Milton Friedman was, was special, but I'm more of a behavioral behavioral economist, uh, economist in the, in the uh, social studies, not a business economist. And I thought, uh-huh. you know, George Stigler, I thought was really, you ever read any of his stuff? No, I haven't. Um, you really should. It's a, it, it it has to do with it's it's a political economy and behavioral economy side of the of the of the world, and it, it is it is really fascinating. It has to do with people's behavior in different areas and how and how things and the idea his his whole theme is everybody you know from Lou to everybody else on down. Even you a couple times have said, well, you know they really need to run politics as more of a business, and George Stigler's point always was. It it is absolutely run like a business. It's just not a business that maybe you or I understand. It's 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 a mm-hmm. separate business. And if you if you analyze the business, they run it very very well for them. Mm-hmm. And it's and it, it's not, you know, it, it's just not the same. 
um, you know what? But I th- what I found lately, it seems, is very similar to me, because we used to do a lot of work in this, and we had one class where we did a real lot of it. And talk about, you, you know, what's really tough to do, Brennan. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've ever done any of this stuff. Maybe you're better at it than me. You know, what's really tough to do is design a CEO uh, be- uh, benefits and pay package to have the person do exactly what you want to do for the long-term good of the company. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult. It, it is, because oftentimes, and maybe this is where you're going with it, self-centered greed gets in there. That uh, Power position, ego get in there, as well as compensation packages. And I think that, yeah, as, as we've talked about on the show before, oftentimes the board that appoints a CEO is comprised of other CEOs or other aspiring CEOs, so they want to take care of the person so that, uh, in turn, when it's when the board members are up for um, for compensation packages in their firms, that they'll be treated the same way. And I and I think also that uh, CEOs tend sometimes to lose the, the benefit of the company for personal gain and personal ego. Well, I think so too. I mean, when I was on the you know the small board at the CBOE. You do get the feeling that every time they give this guy a raise, they're really giving themselves a raise because they're they're meetings right. next month. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, I think that's true. But it, it, think, you know, to your point about the government running as a business, that's true. But you know, unlike <coughs> unlike a Milton Friedman who thinks that the purpose of the corporation is to make money for the shareholders and the stakeholders, the government uh, business model is different. It is not to even break even. It is for the benefit of the public, uh, whether it's you know, primarily defense or some other social programs. But their goal is different than uh, a, a business is, which is to generate money for the owners of the corporation. Well, but that also, I mean, if you actually, because I, you know, I had a dude in class, but that that's when when he when he says that people take that and you sort of just did although you know the underlyings of it there, there's more to that statement w- with that statement to I said some some knucklehead might say well then that's all that's your your entire responsibility Milton Friedman never said that you know if you're if you if if people are looking at the long term benefit of the shareholders you don't pollute in the local river because someday you're going to get caught and it's going to cost you three times as much to clean it up as you save by polluting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you're, 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 it's a return to the shareholders, but the forever return, not this week. There's a big difference. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. And obviously what I said was a very simple statement because yeah. it was uh, the beginning part of the statement. It didn't go into delving into detail like, you went over a semester-long class or a, a two-year program about it, too. But how many, and it's a very simple statement. But how many times have you... Generally speaking, corporations, and I think American corporations, more than, say, Japanese corporations, take a very short-term view, and I think that also ties into the the um, the approach of many CEOs, the immediate gratification and the next quarter bottom line, not what we're going to be in two or three or five years. Well, yeah, and I, I, you know, the interesting thing is some of these guys, well, when you first, we first started to do this, 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 you know, this is new, this is in the 70s. You know, we should compensate the uh, guys with, um, you know, stock, because now they're, they're one of the stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then they got to, well, you should give them the stock options, because they're really looking to get the stock up, then that'll be their, but now you see games. That's an incentive. Yeah, but now you see games where they get an incentive, the stock races up, 
they because they sneakily put a, a, a time frame on the on the option. Oh, we're, we're forced to buy our stuff here, and oh, by the way, because of taxes, we got to sell it. So you can mm-hmm. have. I mean, I I I'm, I don't know this for sure, but if I took a big deep dive into like Snap, that just you know came out at twenty one, went to eighty, and now it's seven, seven and a half. I would bet somewhere in, somewhere along the line there, if not, they're in an unusual place. That three or four of the people up top cashed in a lot of options at like seventy and sold a bunch of stock there, and they're up like you know millions of dollars in a place that everybody else is now down. Yeah, I I I, I suspect that if you did a deep jive, that that you would find a fair amount of that. Just yeah, it's just like some of the other reports that have been coming out recently about. Uh, people in government who regulate industries where they're trading stocks or hold stock positions. Uh, another boondoggle that uh, you know, should be stopped, and that I think that goes to some of the other things we've talked about on the show about the revolving door between government and certain agencies. You know, Goldman Sachs being one, and certain administrations that uh, when when just because you cross the street and go into uh, a government building doesn't mean that you lose all your conflict of interest or where you came from, and uh, if you still have holdings or investments, that's clearly a conflict of interest and should be both disclosed and uh, and getting rid of before you, uh, you you take a job, or at least really put into a blind trust where you have no idea what's happening with the, the stock. Well, market. you know, there is a, a little-known uh, <coughs> favor college rule that if, if you get a cabinet-level position and you sell all your stock, that you get a tax dodge on that? I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's a hundred percent tax dodge, or you get to delay it for a while, or something. But it's a it's a little known uh, favorite college rule because uh, mm-hmm. the guy who was the head of the CBOE at the while, the chairman Duke Chapman, um, <clears throat> he was more of a blue blood than you and I. Alger B. Duke Chapman, you know, Duke's a nice guy. Liked him, uh, but he definitely came from uh, let's say a different different cut of the world than you and I, Brendan. Is that a fair way to say it? Mm-hmm. His dad was the head of CCB, uh, Capital Cities Broadcasting, for a while. And uh, he was, uh, he, he, took a, he took a job with government, and he, and he was forced to sell all his stock, and like, a couple years later it was taken over by somebody, like three times as much or something. But he, he was, the, he was the, uh, the chairman of the Metropolitan Club in New York for a while, the one that Andrew Carnegie started. Really? His picture on the wall is bigger than Andrew Carnegie's. <laughs> <laughs> and he, it, Chief, you rub elbows with some really white boy. Well, I mean, Duke did. I mean, I didn't. I mean, when we went out there, we go out for a board meeting, and sure enough, we have a, you know, we have cocktails, we have a meeting at the Metropolitan Club because Duke was—I don't know if he was a member or what he was, but or if he was, <laughs> he was a legacy or something. And uh, <clears throat> what a place! I mean, uh, right on the park, you know, and the old the old cadgers in the library. They'd sit there, and you could see the people back when, well, they still do, but you ride horses in the park. Mm-hmm. People would just be jogging around the park, and they'd bet it would be lead when they come around. <laughs> Even though people didn't know they were being bet on, they were being bet on. <laughs> <laughs> people don't change, do they, Brennan? Anyway, he... Uh, no, they don't. He was he was supposedly the guy who invented the black ball when you go to a really? club. Yeah. And, huh. and Duke was telling Dr. J and I one night over several cocktails that one night... Uh, he had this guy on the board. He doesn't know how he got on the board. He's a total, total horse's ass. And uh, some guy was coming in who was a good guy, and they knew this other guy didn't like him. 
So he actually had a black and a white ball, and they passed the box under the table so nobody could tell who put what ball in there. So when it get, got to the chairman, or the, whatever he was, yeah, the chairman of the committee, he'd pull it up, and if there was one black ball in there, um, the guy would be out, hence the name Black Ball. <laughs> so it goes around the table, and it gets to Duke's dad, and he knew who the bleep was who was going to put the black ball in there. <clears throat> and he pulls it up, and he goes, he knew the guy was a, a, basically a weenie, so he says, uh, gee, it looks like there's only one black ball in here. That must be mine. I'll pull mine out. Does anybody have any comment? And the guy didn't say a word. <laughs> I thought that was pretty. I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. And uh, yep. so the guy didn't didn't have the balls to say no. That was me. I don't want him in here because he was it. <laughs> so any, but uh, any, when you when you say uh, <clears throat> stuff like that, uh, Brendan, what you just what you just said in the terms of you know people shouldn't be able to do that and blah blah blah. First of all. You know, you have no no greater, even though on radio we shouldn't say this, you have no greater agreeing person on this earth than me. Now, the question is, if they draft the two of us as, as uh, co-counsels like in Rome in the Oval Office, what exactly do we do to stop it? I mean, I, I know what you need to do to stop it. I don't know if I'd want to be the guy who had to do it. I would say really? that I would, I would investigate everybody in there, and I'd come up, I'd get a news conference, I'd read out a list of 25 names, and I'd say these people were... Doing stack against us, we don't want any part of this in government. Not only are they fired, they're losing all pension benefits. Get the bleep out of here. And by the way, uh, they weren't allowed into work this morning, and their stuff is now down on the curb. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but Brendan, I don't want to do that. I would hate doing that. But that's not me. Well, it's not you either. I mean, it's not, as good as that sounds, the counter-argument to that is impractical because you would not be able to attract anybody to a government position. You wouldn't be able to get any kind of... Uh, resources from the private sector who come in to use their expertise to run the government. So you're saying if a, if, uh, you, if you can't cheat, you can't they won't get hired. No, I'm saying that if if you if you put too strict a regimen in for qualifying, that people will not uh, take the job. Now, even a reasonable approach that you know, assuming that we do want to have them get rid of all their stock investments and their conflict of interest holdings. Um, it can't be done immediately because they will say, well, I'm certainly willing to put everything into a totally blind trust. I'm certainly willing to give up my stock, but I can't do it today. So give me a period of six months, a year, two years, certainly. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking. reasonable. But I'm, I'm going, I, I didn't say that uh, on our inauguration day, we wouldn't say there's a new sheriff in town. This is not going to be tolerated. I mean, you definitely have to give people a warning. And mm-hmm. you have to give them some time to clean some stuff up. But, but if I found right. out, if I found out that we all of a sudden approved the Pfizer vaccine for infants for whatever stupid reason, and some guy went out and bought Pfizer stock the day before, that that's a not starter for me, Brennan. He's gone. Well, it's not only that, but look at what the what a lot of the senators did at the COVID crisis yeah. when they were getting rid of stock in certain entities and you know, like hotels and buying stock in Zoom. <laughs> well, I mean, I, but I would, I would, would I, if I. First of all, if, if I found out about it, I don't know if the president has a ch- he doesn't have the power to get rid of a senator. I would just use I would use social media. These fifteen mm-hmm. people traded. I'm um, on this committee meeting this day, and they trade the next day. M- if the country doesn't care, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. But I mean, yeah, that's uh, right. and, and that I think is part of the problem. Well, I don't. I don't. I mean, what what do we? Uh, do you happen to read? We're kind of wandering here, but we always do when it, with you and me. Uh, do you happen to read all the Tribune endorsements for like? Yeah. 
just reading those things, didn't it make you sick? <laughs> the funny thing about this is I had to keep looking to see if I was reading the Tribune because of how many Democrats they uh, they endorsed this time around. Admittedly, Illinois is a state that has a disparity in the quality of, of the politicians who are running, but boy, I was shocked at, uh, at the, the Tribune endorsements this time. Well, I mean... Um, I, I absolutely stunned. But were you, were, you, were you shocked that they went that way, or were you shocked that uh, just the pros? When I say the oh, content the, the itself. the writing is horrible. The, the, the Tribune is just a rag duck compared to what it used to be. But uh, Even when I disagreed with some of their opinions or their editorials or their endorsements, I appreciated the writing and the logic for what they said. Uh, now it's it's just a rag. Yeah, and I, but I don't... But I don't. I don't know what to. Do. If I was in their in their spot, I honestly don't know what to do, uh, Brandon. I mean, the, the the dumbing down of the candidates and what we're we're willing to put up with. The one I, I liked the most was the Pritzker thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole, the whole idea was that, you know Bailey. You know, he's a farmer. He's this and that. He's not qualified, whatever. But they basically went through. You know, Pritzker got us through the COVID. I think he did a horrible job. But but say he got us through the COVID. He's done some some work on the budget. I think it's been positive. Uh, of course, he got a lot, more, a lot of money from the federal government. That, that. Uh, speaking of which, how, were you listening today? Karen was on. I know I'm, I'm going to be in a wandering off here, where she said when her, her grandmother used to go to vote, they gave her a turkey and a, and a pair of pantyhose. <laughs> I didn't hear that, but I know uh, Chicago is replete with stories about getting a turkey or a ham uh, that happens to show up right about it on election day. I, I was stunned on the pantyhose part, but anyway, uh, y- did you get your check in the mail from the state <laughs> two weeks before the election? Is it the same thing or what? <laughs> I mean, a- anyway, uh, I I did get a fifty dollar check. So did I. So did I. And uh, so anyway, but the whole thing about Pritzker, this, and then they go, of course, it was the ultimate sleazebag move to give money to the other guys, the, this guy's campaign, because oh, he thought. Yeah, I. But then, how do you? I guess what, what, here's what my question is, and it'd be tough when you're not going to answer it. But when you get to that point, how do you just say, "I don't want this guy as governor. I don't care if he's running against you know Toto the dog." How, how do you say, "Well, the other guy's worse, so we'll we'll forgive it this time"? How do you not just encourage that kind of crap? Yeah, unfortunately, we do. And you know, that was a that was a strategy that I read about being played out in many different parts of the country, where. Primarily, Democrats were supporting radical Republicans, far-right, mega, ultra-mega candidates for the, the theory that they would be easier to beat in the general election because of how radical they are. And I think that is one of the dumbest things that demonstrated whoever came up with that idea and whoever is fostering that idea should should be dumped in a lake. Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess I don't know. The same thing with Jesse Jackson's kid. They basically say the only thing you find good about the kid was, uh, uh, you know, that he was, uh, he went on, went on around the world a bunch with his father, so he knows a lot about foreign country. But then, then, then they said, well, the other guy's like a pharmacist, we don't want him, so we got to go with Jackson. I'm going, I, I don't know, I don't know what it is. They, they should say right in, right in, you know, uh, you know, whatever, Mickey Mouse or something. Man, there's, there's this two, I'm going to say this two party system is broken. I mean, look at Pennsylvania. They got some some guy on the Democratic side. is kind of weird. He's running against Dr. Oz. I mean, th- those are senators. We're, we're not. Yeah. I mean, we're not exactly talking about uh, Dan Inouye and uh, uh, Adley Stevenson, are we? With, with, with this group. 
Well, Twitter Herschel Walker in that group. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, what, 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 have you heard Herschel Walker trying to make a statement? Uh, and the only, thing, the only reason Herschel Walker, well, there are two reasons why Herschel Walker is uh, trying to, to, take, to win the Senate race in Georgia. One is that he's got Trump's endorsement. And the second one is that he used to carry a football to the University of Georgia when they were yeah. national champs. But, you know, the guy can't string together a sentence that you could diagram. I, I, I keep going back to, you know, third or fourth grade and the nuns on the board saying, diagram the sentence. And I think, how can you diagram what he just said? You can't. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't know how you... I mean, we did have another longtime senator uh, fr- from New York, and we got a dash here for this, but uh, Bill Bradley, but wasn't he a Rhodes Scholar? There's somewhat of a difference. Princeton. Yeah, he was at Princeton. He was a Rhodes Scholar, and uh, and you know that's an example of a jock who was also a brilliant person and uh, took his role as senator series. He was one of the most steadfast senators in the in the Senate for all of his years there. You know what else he was renowned for? Because the Knicks weren't very big, that he would he would find a way to to, to get air out of the game ball. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that or not, but the Knicks were pretty good at that kind of stuff. He and Tom Brady. Yeah, <laughs> SP Futures down six, Nasdaq Futures up eight. Brandon, have a good week, buddy. Uh, are you here or are you in Michigan? I'm over here right now. I'm in Chicago today. Well, you should be coming in one of these days. There's no more COVID stuff. I'd like to see you. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll talk, bud. It's been too long. SP Futures down six. Be right back with Joel Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Station Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the phone. On the phone and on the board. SP Futures down 7, NASDAQ Futures up 5, so we're kind of been flipping around the flat line here. Nothing nothing major after another big move up yesterday. We're up seemingly like every Monday these days. Uh, we have uh, individual stocks. we got... Uh, uh, UPS up 670. They had earnings last night. We've had uh, uh, General Motors, I think, is up here too. I'll find it in a second. Uh, anyway, let's, let's go around the rest of the stuff here. And I know General Motors up a buck, buck 83, which is 5%. Uh, we've got the Dow futures down 114. Over in Asia, we have the Nikkei down, up 275. Uh, they were down yesterday, but that's 1%. Uh, Shanghai down down a buck, call that flat. Hang Seng, which is getting, just getting driven down. Is down 15 points today, which I guess is almost like an update. It's 0.1%. 15,165, so so far they've stopped the bleeding above 15,000. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 100.8%. FTSE down 44.6%. Can't go around going the other way, though. Up 25.4%. Yesterday, Dow was up 417. S&P up 44. NASDAQ up 92. So we've been we've been up uh, pretty strong here the last few days. And we'll see if it keeps going. Uh, it's kind of interesting because... As I'll talk about with Joel and uh, Kenny, I mean, the, the VIX is going up, which you don't normally see in a... The nervous index doesn't usually go up when, when the market's going up, but it is. Uh, bonds down 5 basis points, 4.17 on the 10-year. The Bund down 10, 2.24. Japan unchanged at 0.25, where I think they're sort of pegging it. Not sort of, they are pegging it. Uh, oil down $1.29, $83.29. Brent down $1.35, $91.99. Natural gas down 3 cents, $5.16. You would, you would never... Guess with this natural gas crisis worldwide, this would have gone from 9:30 to 5:16. This has been some. If you're if you're thinking this year, you're losing. It's seemingly on the market. Our Bob down three cents to uh, 2.69. Even though gas maintains 5.50 here in the city, where exactly is that three dollar uh, coming from? Not not sure. And we don't care. It's it's an election year. Gold down 7.90, 16.46. Silver down 34 cents, 18.84. Copper down five cents, 3.37. We've got crypto down 44 bucks as the Bitcoin 19,319, but still hanging above 19,000. And we have the U.S. dollar, uh, kind of not, not much going on. Uh, Euro's down a little bit, 0.98, and the pound's up 0.3 percent, a 1.13. And what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. All right, the bears, the bears. Oh, that it is. <laughs> that yeah. It is. <laughs> 
<laughs> I laugh at myself in my own comment there. Uh, okay, it's 6.37 here in Chicago on Tuesday, October 25th. And for sports, that is right, Dub Bears, because they topped the Patriots last night 33-14. to Eight, eight and a half point dogs. Yeah, it was good. But over, over in uh, NHL, we can look forward to a Blackhawks game tonight as they'll be playing against the Panthers at 7.30. Now, over to Chicago weather. Right now, we have good chances of rain all throughout the day. Uh, currently, at 62 degrees. And we're only going to have a high of 64, so it's only going to be cooler as the day goes on. And over in Phoenix, it's right now clear at 52 degrees with a high of 77. Now, for Chicago traffic, we have two accidents. An accident is blocking the two right lanes of the eastbound Eisenhower near St. Charles Road. Thankfully, no large delays in the area. Uh, but over on the northbound Tri-State Tollway, an accident on the exit ramp to I-88 is blocking the left lane, so you can expect delays over there for about five minutes. And otherwise, uh, traffic is building on the inbound roads, as it always does, but particularly on the Stevenson between Route 171 and Kedzie Avenue. That's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Do we have Mr. Joel? Good morning, Chief. Good morning. How about those bears? Yeah. Eight and a half point dive was... was was foggy out there. They must be like a fog team or something. You know, um, you know, I'm in a pool where you have to pick a winner every week, and uh, this was a tough week. And uh, you know, the Patriots are one of the big spreads, and uh, so were the uh, the uh, the Bucks. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was a 13 and 13 and a half point favorite, and I just I don't know. It's just something about the Bears, and I'm just I'm a little I was a little leery of them, and then. I was also leery of uh, of uh, what's going on with uh, with TB and uh, Tampa Bay, so I laid off both of those. And I do something I rarely do. Um, I went against my hometown team. Um, not that I'm a huge Lion fan or or you know have a commitment like a lot of my friends do, but yeah, the hometown team. And uh, so I went with Dallas, and um, they pulled it out. But uh, the other two uh, big favorites going down. So, who did Tampa Bay Bears, lose to? And a couple of people had the Patriots, so I'm glad that the Bears. Who did the uh, Who did the Tampa Bay lose to? I, I saw it and I forgot. Carolina. Oh, that's right. Wow, yeah, they're lousy. Where they were? Yeah, who traded their uh, their best player, Christian McCaffrey, and they've already fired their coach this year. Uh, so they were in total disarray, and they're down to the third string quarterback. So that was a that was a big upset, uh, but. Um, yeah, the Lions, uh, Lions are going back to being Lions after looking good the first couple games. But um, big football game in Ann Arbor this uh, this weekend, Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, I don't like the spread. I would never give that many points in a rivalry game. But uh, that was our only loss last year until we got beat by Georgia. So gotta be gotta be aware of the Sparties. It's a night game. I'm not happy about it, but uh, I'm just. Uh, I'll go anyways. I, I hate the night games. Where did uh, um, Syracuse almost beat Clemson? What, what what league are they in now? Syracuse. They're, I mean, they were at Big East, but obviously they're not anymore. Because uh, Big oh, East don't even football. Are they an independent? I mean, they move I around. I, I, I they might even be. Uh, they might be in the same conference now. Uh, the ACC, right? I don't I think I, so. Well, they must be because the Irish are playing them. Because they play five ACC teams. Uh, yeah, yep, yep. They're they're part of the ACC, uh, part of the Atlantic Division. Yeah, that was uh, Syracuse had a lead, and then Clemson kind of came back and snuck them at home. I 
I didn't watch the game. I heard there were some questionable calls in the game, though. It's like pass interference and stuff. But uh, Clemson's tough, especially at home in Death Valley. I don't call it Death Valley because it's a nice place to play. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm starting to get the feeling, uh, talking to my experts, you being one of them, that the, uh, the, the this transfer portal is starting to wear on the depth of the they're still better than anybody else, but they're not. They're, the depth in Arizona and and Clem, I'm not Arizona, Alabama and Clemson and those teams have is is being worn. I mean, it seems like everybody, not everybody, a lot of teams you you see now have a transfer guy from Alabama on there. I mean, I don't think they can. I don't think it's happened in Ohio State as much yet that they're losing people, but seemingly it is the Alabama. What about Clemson? I mean, it did, I mean these guys want to play, right? Yeah, they want to play. And, well, uh, uh, Michigan has an Alabama recruit. Uh, they actually went to Alabama, then Tennessee. He ended up in uh, at Michigan. He's an outside linebacker, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, you can still call it college football, but you know, it's starting to look more and more like fo- you know, pro football with you know, free agency or transfer portal, NIL money, whatever you want to call it, uh, Chief. It's it's been coming for a while, and now it's here. It, it diminishes uh, the sport a little bit from all guys' perspectives like us, but those billion-dollar TV contracts um, are what matters to the university so there, is there any, the conferences. Is there any truth of the rumor this guy from Alabama that's playing for Michigan is a $100,000-a-year spokesman for Joel's Home Remodeling? For what? Joel's Home Remodeling, your side gig? Yeah, no, no, he's not on the, he's not on the payroll. No, <laughs> no. They've got me for other things over the years, but... Uh, <laughs> Nothing like that. I, I, I did remember uh, uh, this former quarterback uh, from Eastern, uh, Charlie Batch. He played oh, yeah. in the NFL a little bit. He was trying to get, uh, what's his name, Caleb Thompson, the Georgia uh, quarterback, or, uh, the, not Georgia, Oklahoma. He tried to get him to come. I heard he offered him just a million straight up to come. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't. Well, you know, the the weird part of this is, is, is how we've been debating, uh, Joel, not you and I, but for years and years and years about should, you know, with the payments under the table going back to the 50s and 60s and everything, that maybe the, the schools should just pay him. And, uh, well, which, you know, probably would be the fair thing. I mean, I, we don't go into that. We're too late in the, in the program. But uh, I think the Supreme Court has essentially popped out in my, <coughs> economically in my mind. Now, this has nothing to do with whether what's right and wrong. But economically, the absolute worst, worst of all worlds is these people are now getting paid, but not by the schools. I mean, they get paid by other people, and that, that to me is is really out there. I don't know how it's, you know those guys can deduct that on their business expense, and I don't know. I mean, are these guys are not normally going to pay any taxes. Are they, are they giving them ten ninety nines? What are they doing? I, you know what? That's a really good question. I imagine they'd have to pay taxes on it. But uh, that's a good question, Chief. I can't, I can't answer that one for you. Yeah, one of these days, uh, we'll have this little, somebody will write some big article about how this is all working out and how many, how many the IRS is after how many players. <laughs> you know, but if you don't give a 1099, yeah. you, you can't deduct it, right? I mean, you can always pay cash uh, if you can find cash. But uh, what do you think of this market? Uh, when have you seen the market go up this, this stratospherically two days in a row with the VIX going up? Uh I tell you, Chief, that this market, especially what happened yesterday, uh, which was, uh, you know, just China just completely falling apart. And now, you know, when the U.S. market's rallying, it's cats and dogs living in harmony. Um, I, I'm just looking at the highs from uh, from yesterday. 
really big level on the S&P. I think if you look at that or in the spider, um, it's a level that we came up to um, in September uh, and early October a few times. And I think that, that, you know, it's just the bears are still in control until we can clear this 3820. Uh, we got a lot of big earnings coming out this week. I think that's going to, you know, that's going to be a tip of, uh, of which way we go. Uh, but right now, the bears are still in control. Not the Chicago Bears, but the Bears in the market. Uh, but the Bulls are knocking on the door here. If we could just get it, I will really will look for a year-end rally if we can take out that high from yesterday and not just take it out in a day, but holding on a closing basis. So the fundamentals are horrible. The CPI is horrible. Earnings are okay. That's what dictates the market. Um, I don't see a Fed pivot helping it coming anytime soon. The people that do, I don't know what they're looking at. They're not looking at the same indicators that I do. Well, uh, it'll be interesting so that's, to see that. I wrap on the market. Well, I mean, I just, uh, I'm just seeing somewhat of a divergence, and we'll talk about this next week more. But I mean, the idea that the, the big companies come out and, and say that we've been able to raise prices, and yet the rest of the country's gagging with inflation, I'm not so sure that that, that that disconnect is something that's positive, but it appears to be what's happening. I mean, yesterday the retail places were to the moon. Costco was up like five percent. I mean, what, what was the, there was no number yesterday, but we just we, we just flew. People are spending money, chief. I mean, they, what the Fed's done hasn't taken effect yet. I don't know if it's money they, they have or don't have, or racking up credit card debt or uh, home mortgage loans. Uh, but I did uh, did a little traveling at the end of last week, and uh, you know, I don't know uh, this economy. It's not slowing down yet. Well, so it's, hard to, it's hard to gauge, though. Off. Joel, we got a dash, but it's hard to gauge when you get on a plane that's full and you sit there and go, okay, how many... We have, we have a cartel for the airlines, and they, they manage it so they only have enough flights to where they're all full. I mean, I don't know. They were still down flights before COVID, so everything's going to be cr- full because that's the way they're orchestrating it. Right? I mean, yeah. I, well, I'm talking not only planes, but I'm talking trains, I'm talking automobiles, yeah. I'm talking restaurants. I mean, people out there spending teeth. That's that the truth. That hasn't got their desired effect yet. So. Well, anyway, take care of yourself, bud. Yeah, until next week. All right, go blue. SP Futures down nine. Be right back. with Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3000. 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Brown. Andrew on the board. I'm still waiting for Mr. Kenny Polkari. SP Futures down 10. NASDAQ Futures down 375. We've got uh, individual stocks. We've got, it's only up 41 now. UPS up 41. We've got uh, General Motors. I just had it here. General Motors up a buck 59 at 450, 4.45. Uh, we have the new guy, evidently. He's not in yet over in uh, Europe, I guess, but uh, maybe he is in. He's acting like he is, even though the one lady said she'd stay a while. Uh, this guy Sunak is his, is his name. Uh, is the third uh, prime minister this year, following Boris Johnson, resigned in July, and Liz Truss, who became the country's shortest-serving prime minister, after announcing her resignation Thursday. Um, uh, boy, it's a it's a bizarre deal. The uh, and so they've got sort of their issues, and and again, uh, what we try and point out, like on the on the show, is not so much we're not trying to give investment advice because, by the way. To try and say we're going up or going down one day, I know I can't do it. So if, if uh, I'm not going to give advice to you about that, I can because I know I can. Beware of people who, who uh, say they can. Uh, and I, you know, I think it, it may come the time you don't, you don't really know. Here's a rally out of you know, the market being down. A lot of people don't like to hedge. A lot of people don't like to lighten up on their positions. But it, it may come that this is, you know, the start of a bull market. I mean, it could. Uh, nobody knows. Uh, it also could be, you know, your last chance to hedge. So it's not like you didn't, uh, I mean, there's always been a lot of uh, talk in the industry or talk in the trading pit when I was in there that if somebody buys something for five bucks and all of a sudden it goes like straight down and it goes up to five again and then you go, well, maybe it's a good buy to start with and it goes back down. You know, everybody's sitting there goes, you're sitting there pleased, dear God, if it ever gets back to five again, I promise I'll lighten up and then when it gets back up there again, oh no, this might be a good deal. Just, just make sure that no matter what you're doing, um, you constantly look at your portfolio. And I'm going to say something odd. Look at it like if it was somebody else's, because there's a huge difference. I mean, even when I was trading, uh, and we had you know other people in my firm, uh, I would say, "What do you think of this?" And, and one, of, one of my guys would say, "If I came to you with a position like that, you'd be pissed off." You know, so sometimes you, you can't, you can't get yourself in love with these things. I mean, look look at your position. I mean, uh, it is interesting. We've had, you know, some increase in business because we teach people how to hedge and those kinds of things and protect their stuff. But an awful lot of people, boy, the, the, the touts on TV have got people just talked into, um, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to ride this out. And it'll come back up. And I, I bought it at 200 and even though it was at 500 now it's 250 I'm still 50 to the good. Like, I owe them something. No, you don't. I mean, no, you don't. You don't owe anybody anything, I mean, in terms of investments. So you just have to, you know, be very careful that, especially if you have a company where the, you know, the, the chairmans 
have stolen a lot of the dough and it's heading south. And you know, look at the dynamic here. I mean, we're seeing some companies that have pricing power, at least for the moment, are doing exceptionally well. And when you see all these retailers that are now narrowing down in terms of amounts, you see Costco and Home Depot and Lowe's and Walmart having a big day yesterday. Clearly, some some groups in in this country, uh, be it airlines, be it whoever it is, are able to raise prices way more than the the cost of uh, production is being raised to them, and they're doing fine. Call it an call it great business, call it a great idea, call it a, uh, a monopoly, call it uh, an oligopoly, whatever you want to a duopoly, but for the moment, those are good buys, and the rest of the stuff just isn't. And uh, and, and you'll see, and the idea that uh, inflation doesn't hurt or people are still spending, you know, who are the people? Uh, in Mr. J. J. Daly, who are those alligators? Yeah, people that have, 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 have uh, dealt with the government largesse, maybe maybe work for the government, maybe have a, you know, some companies that got a lot of money from, there, there's a lot of dough out there, but just, but don't be, don't be crazed when you go buy a, a bar and it looks crowded. Go buy on a Monday night, see if anybody's there. I mean, you you don't really know until you ask the owner, how exactly are you doing? I mean, are, is, is your t- price per ticket up? Is Have you raised prices? Have you lost people? I mean, are the people who used to be here two nights a week are now one or four, used to be three, or three used to be four. I mean, you know, these, these broad brush statements, especially from people who have an agenda. The only difference, I think, with the people on this show and with, with other people is that I have no agenda in the market other than protecting and making money for my clients. If we make money on the way down, it's still money. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a slave to this market. I'm not, I mean, right now, the last few days, I've been very happy that we've managed to keep ourselves long. Now, today, uh, we're not as long. We sold into it, and I'd say we're flat, probably flat today. So we really don't need another huge update until we adjust some stuff. But by the same token, we're three days in a row with the VIX up, and I, you know, it, it makes me nervous. So we don't have to be as long today as we were last week, I don't think. Now, having said that, we could go up another... Yesterday, we had the S&P or the NASDAQ futures at one point in the morning dip down 150. And and by 20 minutes before the close yesterday, they were up like 140. That's a 300-point move in the the NASDAQ. And I'm pretty much a sleepy Monday. That That is not normal. That is not normal. It shows a market that has no standing orders. It shows a market that has very few... Uh, liquidity providers that just get out of the way when it starts running they just get out of the way so it, it, to me it's you know if, if you if you really are worried about your portfolio and you do not take these three days to somehow look at it protect yourself uh, lighten up maybe or, or buy more I mean I mean it could be whatever the stack is could be whatever your situation is that's why you can't ever give if you know what you're doing like I think I do you never give investment advice because every person is different. Yet people on TV are real happy to tell you, oh, this is the world's greatest stock. Do not, don't ever sell it. Well, that means they're lying, right? I mean, come on. They, they want you to go buy it because they just bought it. Well, I'm never going to do that um, because I'm always going to be hedged on stuff. But if it, I mean, take a look at your stuff. You, you don't owe the market to give back the money you make. I mean, you just don't. I mean, you, I mean, you don't owe Snap. When you when you when you bought it at 21 and it's trading 80 and you couldn't lighten up because you become an apostle of snap, and now it's seven and a half. How's that working for you? I mean, you 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 absolutely need to be much much harsher with your portfolio. In one man's opinion, Andrew, do you understand any of this? I'm picking up little bits and pieces. 
It's, I mean, it, it's all just about. Uh, it, it's like people saying, if you go, I was. Uh, I used to like to go to Vegas real lot before I started to be a trader, and somebody was up a bunch in blackjack last night or one night, one night, and he goes, and he, he, he said something about, well, I could probably just leave, and I said, well, he goes, but I'm playing with the house's money. I said, no, w- once it comes from the other side of the table to the slot in front of you, it's no longer the house's money, it's yours. If you, if you can leave with that money and a security guard doesn't come after you, it's not the house's money. Yeah. I mean, and there's nothing that says, I mean, but it, I also understand how difficult it is because, say, say for instance, Andrew, you, you come wandering in with a million bucks and you want to get five stocks, I mean, which I don't think is enough as a as a diversified portfolio. That's why I like indexes. But say you want five stocks, and between the both of us, the both of us, they say in the stock, south side, we pick five stocks, and we bought 200 grand each in its, each stock. Okay, well, it's fine. Let's just hope there's no Kmart or United Airlines in there or GM. Uh, so we pick them. At the end of the year, we've got two that are flat, two that are real nice winners, and one was a clunker. Okay, so now the two winners are worth 300 which is nice. The losers worth one hundred, not so nice. And the other two are flat, so we're up hundred grand, which is a pretty good year. Well, now if we rebalance, we're going to say now, well, what was our goal? We want five stocks equal in the portfolio. Well, now the two that are three hundred thousand worth, what do we got to do? We got to sell some of those, right? We got too much. <coughs> but now, what does that mean to you? Well, wait a minute. Why are we selling our winners? Well, because they're not. Even though they were winners. They're now too big of a chunk of our portfolio. Now, you may say to yourself, God, these companies are so good, I'm going to overweight. Okay, but then you can do that. Anybody can do that. It's nice to be overweight, the one that goes up. But now, okay, but now this is a change in plan. Do we realize that this is a change in plan? Uh, yes, I like XYZ so much that even though I want to be, <coughs> you know, a million one now <coughs> divided by five, I'm not going to be because <clears throat> I really like this stock way better. I'm crazy this morning, voice, voice. Um, but I like the stock way better. So w- we can make that decision. You can make that decision. It's your money. But recognize now that you're <clears throat> that you're, you're you're moving out on a ledge on this one particular stock. Plus, <clears throat> where we have to trade this year, we can't trade last year, which is the single biggest thing. You mentioned to people. The guy goes, well, "I love this one." Okay, it was up a bunch last year. We're not we're not in 2000 anymore, 2021. We're in 2022, right? So we worried about next year, which is really hard because you find when this, especially when detail real deal with a lot of retail clients, they want to hang on to the winners, they want to sell the losers, losers. And most of the time, that's unless you've got an Apple 10 years ago or something, it's very rare for stocks to be up to totally outperform the market year after year. They have themselves, they come back. And sometimes the losers, I mean, uh, we got in one of the new group in 2018. All everybody wanted to do was sell all the oil stocks by the end of 2019 because they were horrible. The XLF was at 28 bucks. You know, now the XLF is, uh, is, is uh, I'm sorry, the XLE was, was 28 bucks, and now it's like, you know, 85 or something, 86, 86.80 this morning. Okay, but everybody demanded that I get out of the oil indexes. Even though at that level, I thought the oil indexes were a good buy. None of the none of the clients wanted it. Oh no, <coughs> we don't want we don't want none of this stinking oil. <coughs> now all of a sudden, every new client, we think we should put part of our money in oil. Well, yeah, uh, you know maybe at twenty eight. I don't know about eighty six. I don't think we have to overweight oil here. 
We, we definitely want a piece of it in a, in a diversified portfolio, but do we want to overweight it here because it was up last year? You know, these, these are kinds of things that you just, you know, uh, you learn as you go, and it's just not stuff that retail people necessarily pick up. Some do, some don't. Anyway, SP Futures down 12, NASDAQ Futures down 13. We're back with Professor Halsner. Trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, one dollar for equity options and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! <laughs> well, welcome back to Stars and Jacks. Obviously, Andrew is, is, is scurrying around the, the web trying to find out for Super Bowl tickets. Where's the Super Bowl this year? I don't even know. SB Futures down 13. <laughs> As the future's down 16 because there's no chance of anybody going like the Bears. But, but now, hope springs eternal, they say, Hal. How are you? Yeah, good. Hope springs eternal for you economist guys, too? Uh, yeah, it's a good time to be an economist. I mean, if you're, uh, I mean, I think if you're a modern monetary theorist, it's not. But if uh, you're an economist that, uh, I guess, is a grown-up, I think it's a good time. I well, love it right now. It's but, great. We don't see the the president booting the monetary, modern monetary lady off the economic advisors and putting somebody. No, uh, 
it gives uh, his uh, policies, uh, I guess, some credibility. I mean, that's why people, that's why economists, I think that's why a lot of economists uh, do the kind of research that they do. Um, they want to spin in a way, and this happens on both sides, they want to spin in a way that uh, lands him a job as an advisor to the president. That's why I like Milton Friedman so much. She uh, declined to be Reagan's advisor because he did, one he didn't want to, you know, come to a consensus, and two he thought he'd be uh, more effective, you know, um, not not doing that right. So um, I, I just think these it's been a it's a long, long, old profession to be an advisor to a king or a president and your your uh, analysis is spun in a way to make sure that you get that position and I have no I have no designs on any such position none um, I don't know I could see you at Camp David shooting pool at one of those good pool tables if it was uh, pool yeah but advising people no I wouldn't want to do it well, only only if they uh, would. I don't think they could pay me enough money to do that kind of job. Well, especially if they don't really want to listen. Yeah, if, if they want me to lie for them, I'm not doing it. No, it's a, if they want me honest, I'll do it. But if they want me to lie for them, no, there's no way I'll do it. No, well, everybody's got their. I'd, ra- I'd rather make. Gender. I'd rather make no money as a professor than uh, you know be paid <laughs> to uh, validate uh, bad policy, whether yeah. it's Republican or Democrat. Well, it could be worse. You could be like a, a broker and everybody wants everything for free. <laughs> well, I think that's the case for everything, right? Yeah, it's a key, a key for everything. My, mother, my, mother-in-law, my mother-in-law is always uh, trying to get the uh, contractors to, you know, discount it by 50%. <laughs> well, I mean, some of the some of those guys, uh, one of the uh, one of the great stories, when I, the guy I used to, uh, uh, I, I hope he's still around, but you know what? How, how horrible is this sound? Maybe I don't hope he's still around because he had Alzheimer's so bad. Uh, when I worked at Pullman, there was a guy named Marty Leno. And Marty, uh, I'm going to say how was the smartest man I ever met. I learned so much from that guy. He he was a uh, a uh, engineer, a mechanical engineer. His family run a, ran a heating and air conditioning company in Philadelphia with all those old boilers and everything. So he knew all of that. And then he, he didn't stop going to college. He was a he was a full bore uh, uh, Talmud. I uh, was a Talmud scholar, uh, the Jewish religion. He was uh, a yeah. Torah scholar. He, he there wasn't anything the dude didn't know, I mean, he, and he was the nicest guy. But he would he worked for uh, was it Bell helicopter and, and Army helicopters, and he he got jobs in the Pentagon where he had to go, and all you had was a yellow legal pad, and you get to study the stuff there, and you couldn't even take the legal pad out with you. He did studies on helicopters and gave me the absolute. Uh, uh, total skinny on the helicopters that went down in the uh, Jimmy Carter uh, raid in yeah. uh, Iran, and and how why they use those helicopters. Everybody knew they were clunks, and they couldn't handle de- uh, desert mm-hmm. sand. And of course, they went down in the desert sand. He goes, whoever picked that helicopter for the mission was an absolute moron, or else had, you know, was was part of the company or something. Anyway, I learned so much for this dude, and uh, he he would, you know, he he would uh, constantly be questioning like everything, and. But in a nice way, and then we used to love to sit there and, and talk and BS. And uh, but you know, economically, he he was kind of like you. He didn't he didn't want to give really that much advice to people that because nobody really wanted it. I mean, everybody just wanted. I don't, it. Yeah, 
They just want to go their yeah, own way. Yeah, most people don't want advice. Yeah. I mean, they, they, in a, and, and he said to me, one, well, anyway, his mother, <laughs> being well Jewish, obviously, so this guy comes over and did some work on the house, and his mother was one of those that always wanted to bargain. This guy, come over <laughs> and did, guy comes over and did some work, and all of a sudden the guy says, well, that'll be like 50 bucks. So she handed the guy to 50 bucks. And Marty says, what's the matter with you? It was the first time I ever... She goes, I don't know if I like that guy. So I just said, okay, because now he thought that maybe he should have charged me 100 I would have paid it. Now he's the one who's pissed off. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> okay. Anyway, but uh, but he was a... I, I had a... Boy, talk about a quick story. I had this house in Beverly that had... You ever heard of a vacuum steam boiler in a house? A vacuum steam? Yeah. The thing I would... Know. It would... It would create steam, but it wasn't a steam like in an apartment building. It would pulse. The thing was like alive. It would it would it would pulse, and there was a thing down in the, in the downstairs with a little silver ball in this thing, and that's how it let the steam off. And, is, and when the, when when the pressure got downstairs, is it would lift this this little ball off, let some air out, and then the steam would pulse up. So I had these guys over. It wouldn't work. I couldn't fix it. And uh, and, and I had some guy over come back in his own time. He spent two hours there. He could get it going, but it wouldn't stay on. So I said to Marty, I got this system and he goes what kind of system is it I know it's kind of steam he goes you, you, you got a vacuum steam system wow he was immediately interested <laughs> I said the thing won't, won't turn off he goes or it won't turn on it goes on and then it goes, shuts off he says well you got a little little heavy silver ball in this little thing up on the top in this little, in this little holder I said yeah he goes the thing's stuck pull it out cover it with some olive oil and put it back and you'll be fine after this guy worked eight hours on this thing I yanked the ball out all of a sudden the, the, the thing turns on I put some olive oil out I dropped it back in I was good for three years <laughs> <laughs> did, <laughs> you, did you write the instructions and oh, I, tape it to the side I, of the I've, machine I've never seen those before or since one of these boilers Wow. But it was it was just to watch it was was fascinating. Anyway, we're not we're talking about, about furnace stuff, but what do you make of uh, uh, this massive rally here? It seems to be very narrow. And yesterday we had dramatic moves up in these retail stocks. Now today Coca-Cola's up and they're not saying they've said they raised prices somewhat, but they actually have their their uh, their amount of uh, cases sold was up too. So the revenue was up, but they they said they raised prices, but they didn't give you the we raised prices more than the input, and uh, we didn't we sold less. But by the way, we charged more. So at least they're not giving you that whole story like some people are. Uh, what do you make of this? I mean, wh- is is it just because the retail areas become so concentrated now that those guys are going to do well no matter what? Or you get this real weird feeling that when somebody has really good earnings now, I'm not even supposed to cheer because they it's because they're screwing somebody or something. I, I don't know. I, I didn't used to feel that way. Hell, is it just I'm getting grumpy or what? You know, it could just be the fact that uh, inflation is still a problem, and these companies. I mean, I'm looking at the GDP numbers, the real GDP numbers, and and if if the metric they're using for inflation is uh, not really capturing what inflation is doing, it's going to make it seem like GDP is great. Yeah. It's going to make it seem like these uh, earnings reports are awesome. So if the inflation might be so bad that, you know, if the way they're trying to measure it, it's causing everything to look kind of rosy when it's not. So, I mean, they put so much... I never thought this would ever happen in the United States, but they put... We talk about this a lot. They put so much money 
into um, the United States economy that it's kind of hard to tell what truth is. And at the same time, you got countries overseas trying to put a floor on their currencies, right? They're, they're, they're still printing money out there, I think. Oh, yeah. And we're doing less of it. We're printing it at a much slower pace. I don't think our interest rates are high enough yet to really put a dent in inflation. But I think in Europe and China, they're, they're dumping, I think, money into the system, trying to stimulate out of a recession that they're in. And I think that um, makes us better off because we can buy those um, goods made overseas um, at a lower price than they would have otherwise, right? Well, because the dollar's so getting so strong. Just, it's just kind of crazy how how bad it is. When I look at it, I just see bad everywhere. And if if you can't trust the inflation numbers that government is telling us what they are, then that it's going to throw wrenches in the machinery. I mean, are, are earnings really going up, or is it inflation? Is GDP, you know, going sideways? Is it going up, or is it going down? I mean, I have no clue, really, because it all it all comes back to whether that infl- those inflation numbers are accurate. And I don't know if they can be... I don't know if government can actually measure them accurately. Well, they're not, they're, I don't know if they're accurate or not, but I guarantee you this, they absolutely are not timely. I, I, you know, I'm, yeah. in the, I'm in the camp that right now there is no inflation. That the, yeah. the, the numbers are just working their way through the system. That they should have... It should have been 15% six months ago, and it wasn't, and now it should be zero, or, or close to it. But right now, I mean, they're just starting to put this housing stuff through the system. It's been there for three yeah. years. I have a question for yeah, you. And the, and the housing prices are actually coming down now, too. That's what I'm saying. The, uh, yeah. They topped off, and they're coming down. Yeah, so I'm saying that... The bubble being popped, yeah. Same thing happened in, in, the, in, the, in the 80s. The, the, the numbers yeah. are like nine-month lag. I, I got a question for you, and I, don't, I, don't, I, I think this is something I've, I've uh, mentioned on the show through the years that one of the biggest problems I have, or, or potential problems I see, not that I have personally, is when you see all these combinations and you see this store going out of business and that store going out of business, or this airline being bought or something, it, it never looks like you're creating uh, an oligopoly, but, it, but it's sort of relentless. And then you get to the point where, you know, we let, you know, Joe take over Jim, so we got to let Jane take over Jill because now they're even. It, but and I and I mentioned God years ago that the last thing you want is is the let is the, for the Fed to screw up and make inflation like they did in the seventies. Of course, they'll never do that again because they remember the seventies. Of course, they just did do it. Now all of a sudden you've got these. Every single place is a pocket where it's it's a it's a somewhat a, either a monopoly or or and everywhere you look, you know you've got foreign airlines. You got no all the. All the little guys weren't given enough COVID money and went out of business. So you got uh, four infant formula manufacturers. You've got two really homes. If you don't live someplace where there's a Menards, you've got a Lowe's and a Home Depot. Um, Costco is, is, is on top of the heap. You don't have how, a lot of independence in a lot of places unless you're you know, maybe in Chicago or someplace. Uh, and now all of a sudden, this inflation is creeping up, and it seems like all my worst fears have been realized. You know, that every one of these places, I mean, uh, we had a... Uh, uh, I'm going brain dead. We had Greg Pappas on yesterday morning uh, talking about how if you look at the lumber prices from before COVID and how they totally spiked, 
is they're back down to where they were before COVID. Now, what if you, what if you and I, again, we don't want to be working for the government. What if we were given the job that uh, say, hey, just check this out, will you? You two, do two schmucks. So us two, you and I, two schmucks, walk out, and we do a study. You know how to do it better than me. And we find out that, guess what? The Lowe's and the Home Depot and the Menards, even though home, uh, the lumber prices are back down to where they were, these guys are still 40 to 50 or 35 or 60 percent higher than they were, and they just never brought them back down again. And there's no kind. I mean, what exactly do we do with that kind of information? I mean, do we do we now bust all these people up? I mean, airlines, absolutely. The banks, hell, I, I got to ask you: Would you ever dream that mortgages would be back at seven percent, and there's in the in the the uh, interest rate at a big bank is still zero to you? I mean, we we got yeah. I mean, we've got to sit there and go: What is going on here? I mean, when these guys get out, the more money the big banks make, the better they think the world is. Every time one of those guys said they make a lot of money, I just I look in my pocket and, and, and count my count my fingers and my money. I mean, I'm getting screwed. I mean, somewhere or another, we've totally divorced ourselves from the good of our bus- our businesses being the good of us. In, in just about every every now, granted, I'm not talking about your local bar when he has a, a good night. You, you, you like to see the guy have a good night, but. I mean, do, do I cheer when Bank America has a big quarter now? I mean, I, I'm going the other way. I'm saying, how'd they screw me? Where am I? Am I just getting too cynical you know, or what? Well, you know, living in New York, it's really interesting to see how it works versus Utah. And I'm pretty convinced that the restrictions and regulations and rules, I mean, in New York City, it's unbelievable what they got. You can't cut down your tree. I mean, it's just... We have a big tree going on our driveway, and we have to drive over the route to get out of it. Um, but, I mean, you think about these contractors. There's only so many licenses that are released. There's a, there's a, all kinds of black market, gray market uh, contracting going on. You know, people remodeling houses. They're not licensed, right? And it doesn't seem like the government really cares about them being busted or not or taking them out. But I think there's so, there's so few licenses that... And I've just been thinking about this because my mother-in-law is always in a battle to remodel our house. But there's so few licenses that there's a lot of people and few people who are licensed. And they're kind of spread a little thin. And I think what happens in New York, and I'm just guessing, it what happens is when you hire a contractor, if you're wealthy, you can tip the contractor with cash. And that guy will get your job done like that. A mother-in-law on the hand, she can't afford to tip the contractor. So a job that should have been a week rolls on for four months. She can't get the guy to finish the boiler. And I, I think the rich people can afford, you know, the tip might be 50%, the tip might be 100% of what the job costs. And that's how I think licensing um, really creates an artificial scarcity I think I think in general, just restrictions, laws, rules, uh, red tape makes the cost of entering a business. It, it creates that entrance barrier that we talk about in microeconomics. It yep. is the entrance barrier. So if you're an incumbent firm, you benefit from that. And I think that if you know that is applied to all these different industries and, and sectors. I think that is one big reason why. There's only four of this and four of that. Why there's four airlines, why there's four baby food manufacturers. These rules and restrictions create these market barriers. And I think companies kind of learn this and 
I mean, like, for example, in Utah a few years ago, there was this outrage over the fact that there was no inspector of music parks in Utah. And it was on the news. And I'm thinking, okay. And they interviewed Lagoon, which is our, which is Mormon Six Flags in Utah. They interviewed the, the manager of Lagoon, and they asked him, would you be open to regulation or uh, inspections? And the guy goes, yeah. And, I, and to me... You don't need to regulate an amusement park because the amusement park doesn't want anybody to die. But all of a sudden, you come in with the safety inspections, and now the now the company has this incentive to do just enough to meet those safety restrictions. Oh yeah. Before they do a lot, right? They do a lot. Those safety restrictions give them kind of a a way to do the minimum, and, and if something happens, they can say, hey. We were complying with the restrictions, but what that was, what those instruct inspections do, and the regulation does, is it creates a market barrier, so Lagoon doesn't have to face any competition. And I think that's what's going on. Well, that's, and I think the solution is federalism to restore it. Well, the, I think you got to fire all those inspectors. What you got to do? I mean, yeah. I mean, clearly, in, in, in well, the BP, the BP oil rig inspector, uh, I think he was like a good old boy from the industry. And he let kind of BP slide, right? But, but, it, but it bounces back BP and forth. BP was meeting that minimum requirement. But it, it bounces back and forth uh, somewhat, Hal. And I mean, yeah. I, uh, I mean, you, you can you can point what you just said. I can agree with, but I can also point out situations where it's not good enough. Uh, yeah. And the reason why I say that is because there's a, there's a million tricks in the trick bag, and uh, you know when I was. <laughs> Maybe before your time, when I was a Ute. Did he say Ute? Uh, Ute? Was, a Ute. You, you went to University of Utah? I thought you went to Chicago. Or uh, no, Chicago. remember my cousin Vinny. <laughs> did you say, sorry, youths. <laughs> no, youths. Youths. <laughs> what a great scene that you, was. What's a Ute? What's a Ute? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, youths. Sorry, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, youths. Anyway, I mean, you went out, when you went out and bought an extension card and you bought anything, if you didn't have UL on a thing, your mother would send you back with it because everybody's kind of afraid of yeah. electricity and, and if you didn't have a toaster, if it didn't say UL I mean, there, there needed to, people felt there needed to be an inspecting but it didn't have to be a government yeah. inspector I mean, there, there could well, some, dude, somebody else I'm could inspect I'm I've bought an, an extension cord with that UL uh, tag on it at a discount store in Brooklyn and I guarantee you nobody inspected that thing because it did not feel well, like maybe one it, that you bought at Walmart maybe it was a discount UL tag <laughs> <laughs> or maybe <laughs> it's not. It's not like they didn't have Somebody a. Somebody slapped it on there. Yeah, but that's like they didn't have a printer in a discount store. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can print those things up pretty easily. But I mean, if you went to Ace Hardware well, or someplace and and bought an extension cord and said you all, you could pretty much trust the thing because you trusted Ace and you trusted anyway. But I mean, uh, when, when you if you don't have an, ins- you're right. You would think that that uh, you know planes falling out of the sky is not good for an airline. But then again. You, you can talk about um, one of my the chairman of uh, vice chairman of CBOE was a uh, he was lived in he, he came from one of these uh, states where they had a lot of pig farms and uh, they'd have these these retention pans. Well, somebody'd come in and they'd buy the thing up, and all of a sudden they'd put this retention pound up. And like you say, there was there was no s- state inspector. Not that not that those guys do you know, but he, there was no state inspector that actually ran herd on these guys. And sure enough, one blasted, and all the pig crap basically went in the 
And evidently, it took like forever to clean out the stream or river or wherever it was because it was 90 gazillion gallons of pig crap. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, it, was a, it was a corporation out of Bermuda. It was uh, nobody could find the guys who ran it. Three shell corporations. There was nobody there. So the the company just oops we got a problem we're gone. <laughs> I mean I don't know if I if I if I trust a traveling carnival uh, necessarily. All of a sudden somebody dies the next day they're gone. I mean I guess it's it one thing brings up another all the time doesn't it hell? I mean it's I mean who are yeah. these people? I mean if if it I mean, is, I mean I would think it's you know I mean if, if oh go sorry go ahead I mean. I'm saying obviously with yeah. Southwest Airlines, I mean, you don't want, you don't want planes falling out of the sky because Southwest has impressed yeah. us that they want to be here for the next hundred years. So yeah, well, yeah. you know, I, I saw this thing in California about home building, and um, some of those uh, building inspectors are like you know let things go, and some don't. And I forget what it was. I think it was Adam Corolla. He, you know, because he after I think the Man Show, he he started um, building. I think he was building houses in L.A. or in L.A. County, and um, the inspector wouldn't sign off on something unless this piece of equipment was installed. And it was basically just a kind of he had to buy this thing, he had to install it, and as soon as the inspector signed off on it, he took it off because it didn't work. Well, I mean, it's as long as it passed the inspection, he, he got it signed off, and then because it didn't work the way it's supposed to, um, they just took it off, right? And then the, they never had to deal with the inspector again. So, I mean, I think a lot of times that happens. You know, somebody will uh, come up with this product and they'll say it's necessary, and then it, you know, probably uh, lobbying, you know, city council or the county commissioners or the state representative or even the federal government to, hey, this is a necessary piece of equipment. And the people that are signing off on the regulation don't know what they're talking well, about. I, I they, go, they go along with it because they got a free dinner out of the whole thing, right? And well, so now you got to comply with this ridiculous equipment that doesn't work as designed, right? So you, you're forced to purchase it. And I think a lot of that stuff drives up the cost unnecessarily. I mean, think about the the what's going on in Florida. Every five years, a hurricane comes in and wipes it out, and you know, industry pours in to rebuild the houses to the government minimum standard. Um, if there was a market in place for the the insurance, um, which wouldn't happen because uh, you know, without that government bailout, nobody's going to provide insurance to an area that gets hit by hurricanes often, right? So these these houses kind of get built to the minimum government standard, and if there was a market in place, maybe the houses that are built in that area where there's lots of flooding, maybe they'd be built 10 foot higher, or maybe they'd be built with more substantial materials, but because government subsidizes that insurance, a lower standard is used, and so these houses get wiped out. And every five years, it seems like we're rebuilding a community. If if if, the, if that if those neighborhoods were disciplined by the market, you'd have houses built ten feet above the ground. You'd have these ten foot above the ground uh, basements, like my buddy's house in Michigan, where he, he had to build the foundation to the hundred year flood wall or flood level. Right? I think you would have more substantial buildings, and because nobody wants their house knocked down, but 
government comes in, subsidizes insurance, has these minimum standards of quality, and we wonder why this happens every five years. Well, I mean, there's if you look at what's happened in Florida, I mean, it 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 is there's a, there's a uh, huge there's a buffet of of issues. I mean, I mean, you brought yeah. up a few, but I, I mean, I remember way way back in the day, but. When a hurricane came in, a lot of times they hit a, an area that was not all that, you know, not all that populated. I mean, it hit somewhere in the, yeah. in the panhandle, and no, nobody lives there, type of thing. Well, now well, there's a reason why there's such density down there because the government's subsidizing this thing. If the government subsidizing insurance, nobody, no bank would allow. Uh, they wouldn't finance the construction. They wouldn't finance the purchase, right? Well, but I mean, you could say the government subsidizing rich people living on the coast. Yeah, but but you could say. That now that you have, I mean, people don't realize how big Florida is. Have you ever driven f- from Miami to Georgia? It's oh, a long, yeah. it's a long kick. Yeah, it, it but, but, forever, so, yeah. but if you actually have, I mean, you've got what a thousand miles of coastline, coastline, damn near yeah. eight hundred. Well, if you're gonna, the, the hurricanes wreck ten miles a year, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe twenty if there's two of them. You can raise the insurance prices. That will all just if it's our turn, it's our turn. You can, I mean, you can do that. It's a question of, of, of the rate. But, like, uh, you know, we come after break, let's talk about it, because a lot of things down there are, uh, Carl has brought up, and actually Dan Janitas last week, and I'll be listening to him, because he, he lives there, and what's happened, and what, you know, his place didn't get that much damage. Anyway, SP Futures down 14, NASDAQ Futures down 10. We're leaking here a little bit, but not bad, considering we've been up for three days in a row. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right now. Right here. Right now. 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 Right 3M down at 3.38, they had earnings, uh, but, you know, say stock's still 115. There's one of the stocks that has not really come back from uh, their lows. They're, they're still down a bunch. Honeywell's up 3.10. Those are individual stocks. Goldman Sachs down 260. Home Depot down 221, but they were up a bunch yesterday, so just coming back a little bit here. Uh, over in Asia, got a uh, kind of a mixed bag, as we have been lately. Uh, Nikkei up 275. They're catching up with us. That's 1%. Shanghai down one, call that flat, and Hang Seng could not get a rally after the 6% decline the day before. They could not get a rally. They're only down 15 bucks, but still they could not get a bounce at all, not even a dead cat bounce. Over in Europe, we got the DAX down 121, that's a percent. Puts you down 55.8%, CAC around up 11.2. They were up more earlier, but now they're slicking back. Yesterday is a way of review. Dow was up 417, S&P up 44, NASDAQ up 92. So like I said, what we're seeing now is uh, is uh, not much of a comeback. Uh, 10-year yield, down 6 basis points, 4.16. The bond minus 9 basis points, 2.29. Uh, the Japan unchanged at 0.25. We've got oil, down 89 cents, 83.69. Brent down a buck 07, 92.19. Natural gas up 4 cents, down 5.24. Again, the most amazing trade. Uh, six months ago, if you'd have sold that at 9 bucks and thought it was going to 5, they'd have put a straight jacket on you and put you somewhere, but that's where it is. Arbob unchanged at 272. We've got gold down eight bucks, sixteen forty-five. Silver down thirty-eight cents, eighteen eighty. Copper down five cents, three thirty-seven. We've got uh, seventy-nine bucks down on the Bitcoin to nineteen thousand two eighty-four. We've got the U.S. dollar versus the euro, uh, virtually unchanged at point uh, nine eight, and the British pound is up a little bit to one point one three as they put their new prime minister in. Uh, what do you got for us, traffic, weather, sports? You forgot the Bulls last time. They beat the Celtics for God's sake. Did I? Oh, my bad. The Bulls, yeah. Might forget them this time, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, because right now it's 735 here in Chicago on Tuesday, October 25th. Uh, for sports and NFL, last night the Bears stopped the Patriots 33-14. And over in NHL, uh, the Blackhawks will be playing the Panthers tonight at 730. And what do you say that was about the Bulls? They beat the Celtics last night. Okay. Well, they, were, they, were, they ran against the Bears. I don't know how many people watched them, but... Um, okay. Because everybody gotta watch the Bears, you know. <laughs> All right. The uh, well, the uh, probably was mobbed in the Tripoli Tap because the uh, it's a Boston bar. It's my local watering hole, and Pat- Patriots against the Bears and the Celtics against the Bulls. I bet uh, I bet it was a 
Should we say butt the elbow in that place last night? I, I did not go. Figuring it would, I could not get in the door. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so, Hal, yeah, you bring up some interesting uh, stuff on Florida. Um, and Carl, obviously, who's lived down there, and Dan, who lives there now, you're bringing up some. It's kind of it's very similar to what we talked about in the first half hour in the sense of uh, what do you do now when you've let. You've come to the realization that, um, like, like I said in Animal House, hey, you screwed up. We let these comp- we let these industries combine to the point now where they have pricing power and we can't control them. And now all of a sudden, no president is going to bust up five industries in his first four years, even though probably it's needed. And when I say bust up, uh, should we say en- encourage a new com- a new person? I mean, obviously, if we get rid of the uh, uh, <coughs> government purchase uh, policy for the infant formula. We could probably, you know, encourage in a fifth or a sixth manufacturer. I mean, there's ways to go about this. I don't know about the airlines. Uh, maybe you don't let airlines, uh, uh, you know, pocket gates and, and landing slots if they're not using them. Or there's ways to go about doing this. But what an undertaking! And how many what a sea of attorneys you'd be you'd be fighting. But anyway, but, but continue with the Florida stuff. Um, Carl was saying that there was years ago. That there was a you know fire department slash whatever city hall in this one place near where he lived and he got decimated by, an, by a hurricane. So when they put it back up, they used all the new building codes. You know, I guess the, the corners are, are somewhat rounded and uh, roof is this and something's that. He goes the second time a hurricane went through it was about the same, and they didn't even lose a window. That the, 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 wow, that's the, the, cool. the codes actually. Now Dan says his house is. Pretty much up to code, and they had very little damage. And f- but well, no, but well, maybe, no. They, maybe they made the building code more substantial, and yeah, you know the hurricane is not going to the hurricane is not going to take the you know a hurricane hitting a ten mile stretch of coast each time it comes through Florida is not going to happen probability wise, right? Right. So it maybe in a hundred years all those houses will be up to this new stringent code right well i mean it's be knocked down it's a question of how you how you divide the it's almost getting to a point where it's probably easier to insure is the coast is pretty much populated the whole way it was probably harder to insure before when only pockets and if the hurricane hit the pocket but here's something that Carl brought up is what liability does anybody have if they screw up that's the thing. No, nobody ever gets gets clocked upside the head anymore. He says, "What if your house is perfect? You had like no damage, and the guy next door's roof is on top of yours and wrecked your house. And yeah. you, you know, you bring somebody out there and you say, hey, you put this thing up ten years ago. Where's all your hurricane code stuff? It's not here. And by the way, your roof is on my place. Um, now, do you get to sue the, his contractor, who in the contract said this was done to all the current codes, and you find out they weren't. Do you, do you ever go back at any of these people? Like, do you ever go back at anybody in the government for screwing up? Do you ever, do you ever go back at the people in the Center of Disease Control that were that were trading uh, stock on the, on the, on the uh, drug companies during COVID? I mean, does anybody ever ever get dragged out in the town square anymore? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, you got this idealistic young politician who goes to city government or state government or federal government and they want to do good I, I think they want to do good when they first get elected and something bad happens like you know COVID happens or the housing bubble burst and they want to they want to be Superman they want to save the day so they get reelected so every time there's a, a catastrophe a crisis the government just 
pumps money into the system, and we're going to pay for it later. But we never pay for it later. We just no. roll it into future debt, right? We, we issue all these bonds out there to pay off the old bonds, and then we're paying interest on top of interest. We're paying credit card debt with credit card checks, right? Right. Oh, yeah. And so I, I, I it just, you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, we want government to bail us out of this crisis, out of that crisis, and we're, we're financing these efforts. And the thing is, what ends up happening is we end up taxing the young, new, uh, innovative companies, the successful ones. And what ends up happening is we take the money from them in the form of taxation or uh, inflation, and we give it to these incumbent firms, yeah. right, to save those incumbent firms, right? So we're, we're penalizing the, the new innovative companies, we're penalizing them, and then we're giving that money, essentially transferring that money in the form of subsidies to these incumbent firms that don't have to be innovative because they're getting these, these kickbacks, if you will. I like to call them kickbacks. Well, Tesla, what about the Tesla kickback and the, the carbon credits? Well, I know, they, yeah. they get a half a billion dollars yeah. a quarter? Other people. I mean, are, are are we? Is there enough lithium? I mean, here's the question. This is like I don't want government solving problems. Some of them think, a lot of them think, in D.C. that we could just switch to electric vehicles. Is there enough lithium on the planet? I'm thinking no. Create all these batteries. I mean, the batteries themselves are what fifteen to twenty five thousand dollars. Oh, I was reading something. And in about ten years. In about 10 years, we're going to have a bunch of batteries that need to be taken out of, out of service. Yeah, what are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with all that stuff, right? Well, I was reading because yesterday I don't want that... politicians making decisions. Yeah, I was reading yesterday that if you have a uh, an over-the-road truck, not a local delivery, which probably could be electric, but an over-the-road truck, for it to have a battery... Uh, been able to do like long distance, the battery would have to pay have to weigh eighty five hundred pounds. Yeah. For God's sake, what do we? What I do mean, we, what are we gonna do with that thing when it when its service life is over? Well, I mean, so um, I don't want my politician to be Superman. I don't want my politician to say, "I'm gonna save your job. I'm gonna save your business. I'm gonna." I don't want them being Superman. I don't want them to do anything. But the, I want them to go to D.C., collect a paycheck, and then just do nothing. Well, I don't know about do nothing, but you're you're but you're not. <laughs> you, if you haven't figured this out yet, you're not, you're not the normal constituent. The normal constituent, if if anything goes wrong, no matter what it is, government's supposed to help me. The the, yeah. the I mean, it, well, that, that's the world we grew up in. I mean, that is the world we grew up in. That's the only world we know. We're a dog. We're the dog. Locked up in my neighbor's uh, kennel for 10 years, who has water brought to him, has the food brought to him every day at 2 o'clock. With that dog, right? And the, the system I want, I'm advocating for is to stop doing that and open the cage. And we're not going to like it when that cage is open because we've been institutionalized, like Red and yeah. in the Shawshank Redemption, right? We, we want that food brought to us every day at 2 o'clock, right? Even though it's gruel. We want it, right? And that, if that stops and that cage is open, we're going to get hungry, and we're not going to we're not going to leave that cage because we expect that dude to bring that food every day, right? That food in the water. Well, if you uh, 
you've probably done this because you're sort of an ad duck like me. Uh, if you ever want to read something fascinating about human events, the I don't know about the first the first welfare system I know of, uh, because I took Latin for four years, was the Roman Dole. Go read a Wikipedia or a, a, a big account of the Roman doles of the centuries, and it, 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 it's it's exactly like our welfare system. No. Yeah. It's I mean, not new. Most of the stuff that, all these new ideas are not new ideas. They were tried 400 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 1,500 years ago, 2,000 years ago. They're not new, right? Well, I mean, if you were to tell somebody in Rome after years and years of the dole, even Caesar couldn't, couldn't stop the dole, as they say, uh, yeah. You would say like, no, you're all going to be self-sufficient. You got to have a job every day, and you have to do something. I mean, there, there's generations of people now in some of these areas that the idea of them actually going to work never even—it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, what what is that? Yeah, and, and you got you got guys like Yang wanting to give everybody universal basic income, which is basically just pay them to do nothing. I well, mean, when I mean, you subsidize something, you get more of it, and I think that's why the density in Florida is so great. Well, I mean, the, subsidizing it. When you subsidize something, you get more of it, and you tax, you get less of it. We well, you know what? If I, you tax productive people, profitable people, innovative people, you're going to get less of it. And then you you take that money, you give it to people who aren't um, being innovative, right? The people that have connections, the people that have had companies around for hundreds of years, right? Well, I don't, I don't that's why our GDP isn't at 50 and it's only at 25. Well, I, we don't get to observe that world. But there, there are people that, that need help. I mean, there's a lot of that going on. But I, uh, did you ever, you, you, you're too young, but uh, I was, uh, or actually we were in school. I think, I, I'm not sure exactly what date it was. Probably, must have, probably at Notre Dame, not even at the University of Chicago yet. When Nixon came out with his negative income tax. Yeah. We came out after after uh, Johnson's uh, Great Society, uh, and and it, it was it was a res- advocated for by Milton. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was a and the the whole thing was I remember Milton Freeman saying this that if you took Johnson's Great Society program and the amount of money that was going to help all everybody every all poor people, which you know is, is certainly not a bad idea, uh, the uh, if you were to take in the amount of money you spent and divided it by the amount of poor people and sent them a check, you wouldn't have had any poor people at least like for a year or two uh, just by definition, it doesn't mean they couldn't have squandered it or like any other people could But the uh, so Nixon came up with a plan that said alright, we're losing so much money in the programs people got their finger in a pie all the way down there, the stuff's not even getting to the, to the person we're trying to get it to, so all you have to do is, is put in an income tax, and I don't care if you you sat on your ass all day, like like our like our intro. You're going to get a check for at the time the poverty level was whatever, say t- three grand. You're going to get a check for three grand. You know, if you screw that up, you screw it up. But you're going to get it, and w- that way nobody's taking anything along the way. It's on you, because it, I mean, out of all the great society programs, wasn't isn't there only one left head start? All the rest of them are gone. I, I'm, there might be another well, one. But everybody, everybody steals think, it along uh, the way. I mean, all the, everybody steals it along the way. All the community activists, all the churches, everybody, everybody gets in the middle yeah. and gets involved in this, and then the money doesn't get to the right person. So, you know, it, well, I think I, when I was doing work, I, I did my dissertation on the, the, the welfare reform of 1996 when it went from AFTC to TANF, and I was getting my data uh, uh, a guy that uh, did similar research gave me some some data and I had like uh, the length of the month 
consecutive months on welfare and consecutive months off welfare. So welfare spells and employment durations, if you will, um, for like 10 years. So I had the AFTC period, like five years, and then I had the five years after that with the TANF program. When I was doing that research, um, um, I think I remember him telling me that there were more people working at the welfare office in the state of Washington at the welfare offices throughout the state at their campus. It's actually a campus where they do this this research, like campus college level, um, PhD level research, right? So they have more people in the welfare office program, the administration and the research of these different welfare programs than they had, I think, on the dole in Washington State. Yeah. So you're exa- you're absolutely right on that. Well, I mean, it, well, now what's I, I, th- I think not profits today are the same way. I think very yeah. little percentage of their uh, uh, budget actually goes to relief. You, you have to you have to look at the individual place because uh, the first time I heard of it, uh, friend uh, used to be partner and everything else. Uh, uh, Robin, uh, she's been on the show a few times. When she was young, and we were both were young, she wanted to give some time to. Uh, a charitable organization, and she she ended up being on the board of this fledgling organization called the Chicago Food Depository, because like ninety eight percent of their of their stuff went right right through the people. In other places, you know, I'm, I'm going to screw up here, but I'm going to say like the March of Dimes was forty percent, United Way might have been forty five, or flipped. Around. So she made sure Salvation Army is pretty good. They're in the seventies, I think. Uh, but yeah, you can you can find places where. 20, 30, 40 percent goes to the actual people. The rest is, is glommed. But the, think, with the food if you look at Washington State's welfare program, if you, I think if you did it, you, it would probably be uh, maybe 30, 40 percent going to people and the rest yeah. being used for administrative purposes. I would just. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's probably what it is. But how big that program is. Well, you, know, Chicago, you know how many people in well, Chicago Food Department? Maybe, maybe even 80 20 because yeah. people that work for the welfare office. In Washington State, probably are making what seventy thousand a year plus pension plus and vacations, the, and the checks that they're probably given to people are probably fifteen to twenty thousand a year. Maybe it might even maybe it might even be worse than that, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say like the you know how many people Chicago area food depository f- feeds every day? I don't know, a million. It's like a quarter. Guess, it's like a quarter know. quarter mil. That's like a lot. Quarter mill, wow, yeah. You know, but they have a program where if restaurants have extra, they can, they'll can they come pick up the hot stuff and get it to somebody before it spoils. They do all kind, well, anyway. are they going to eat the muffin bottoms? Are they going to eat the muffin bottoms, or do they want the muffin top? <laughs> I, I don't know. But, <laughs> but I said the, the beauty of, and again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying drag this plant off, off the shelf, but the beauty yeah. of it was. They got it from Seinfeld, the muffin tops? Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but, but the beauty of Nixon's plan was, and again, I'm not a big fan of Tricky Dicks, but uh, he was not oh, a dummy. He, but he was not a dummy. I mean, he was a smart man. And whoever yeah. put this together, the beauty of it was, though, Carl, is say say you you got nothing, and they and they give you two grand. If you said, well, you know what, I'm going to get my ass off the sofa and I'm going to go make 500 hours by shoveling snow or something. And actually, if you did, they didn't they didn't cut you back 500. They cut you back maybe 100. Yeah, it's like they're in the tax credit program. No, but I'm saying they're, is, they're, but yeah. I'm saying if you went out and earned fifty bucks, it was it was it was in incremental money to you. They only they only, they only took maybe yeah. ten of the. So whatever you decided to do at the lowest level to do anything, it was to your benefit. They didn't say, okay, 
Yeah, because the biggest thing, the biggest problem I think you have with is is they have barriers where if you make fifty grand, uh, you don't get help in Obamacare. Well, hell, yeah. I mean, and then you have an inflation of fifteen percent for two years, like we did have. Uh, well, guess what? Somebody making forty-two, he's now making over over fifty, and now all of a sudden he's got to pay his own insurance. You just eviscerated the guy. I know, yeah. I mean, well, they're making tax credit programs like that. There's a phase in region where uh, the more you work, the bigger you earn income tax credit. Yeah, and you get to the point where uh, it's a maintenance. It, basically, it's a parallel shift of your, you know, your budget constraint. And then there's the phase out region. I'm saying right? in that phase in region, the more the more you work, the more you earn, the higher the earned income tax credit is. But the problem with it is, it's given to the person at the end of the year. So they just kind of think of it as a tax return. I don't think they right. But how many think th- the average person thinks of it as a negative income tax in that phase in region? But I, I, I'm going to be somewhat charitable this morning. I don't know why, but I'm going to say most of these programs, you know, have pretty good intentions to them, and at the time they do them. But at the, at the everything, I don't, I don't know if, if you could, if there was one thing that that you could, if I could do to try and save the place, I would say no matter what program it is, every four years or five years you got to have a complete complete review if it's accomplishing what it's accomplishing because yeah. you and i have had i tell you what i'm, I'm the guy i mean i i know i always sound critical but i tell you what every day if i make 10 trades three of them are going to be clunkers yeah it's just the way it is well you baseball and baseball you know every time a bat up at bat i mean every 10 at bat yeah. you're gonna get on base what 30 40 at three best. or four times, you're, you're going to get a hit. Three times, maybe two times, right? Yeah. You're not getting hits eight, seven times out of no. ten, right? Well, so you, so the trick is to say, okay, that one's no good. Let's get out of it as best we can. Let's try and fix it. But making mistakes is not. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. If you don't make a mistake, you didn't do anything, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're making mistakes and you're and you're failing, you're also learning valuable lessons. And if, well. If government uh, eliminates the failure, then you're not learning. Well, you sit there, okay. You, you, you basically go through life as a kid, a child. Yeah, we, you know, we, we put this program in in 1974. How's it working? Man, it ain't working at yeah. all. It'll look like money's getting to the right people. Well, let's get rid of it. There, there, there's no ability to do that. So they just, they just keep piling the stuff on top. I mean, when Elizabeth Warren came out with her, what was it, the Consumer Protection Agency? 15,000 people. That's the last thing I want government to do is yeah. protect me as a consumer. Well, it, yeah, well but I mean... We we have if you're worried about banks, well, we already have the Federal Reserve. We got the Comptroller Conservancy. We got the FDIC. We we got state regular. How many more do we need? I mean, well, you, you need to play all those PhDs that you're educating in those PhD programs, right? Uh, I guess you need a place to earn a living, right? Say, can I, should I go get a? We P- have to have this. The P, the PhD class is the state priesthood, right? Yeah. They, they provide the intellectual back. Uh, backup for state intervention. That's what a PhD is for. Do you want me to go get one of those uh, online PhDs if I, if I teach? Uh, no, you don't have to. You can be a practitioner. Okay, I can't just be. Go, what about those things? Are what? Hundred bucks? I can get one, right? PhD. Yeah, but you don't, I, I'd probably be less likely to hire you if you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could be. How much does it cost to become an online preacher? Not, it's a couple hundred bucks, right? Well, you know, you could do instead of doing that, get a get a gig, uh, giving speeches at commencements, and then they'll bestow an honorary doctorate on you. That'd probably be a better thing, right? Yeah, but didn't uh, 
what did, how many how many honorary doctorates did Ted Hesburgh have? Like fifty or something? Or some guy who's got like uh, two hundred of them. Some, yeah. Some well, Glenn Black, I know Glenn Beck has one. He has an honorary doctorate. I think he gave it back or something. <laughs> There's some guy who's got like a couple hundred. Well, yeah, every time he gave one of those uh, commencement speeches, I guess they hand him out like jeez, uh, I don't know, different jeez. Well, I know Father Hesburgh had a bunch of them, but he but he he was yeah. kind of a special guy. He sort of deserved them, but uh, I don't. Know. Well, the <laughs> worst the worst commencement speech ever was Bill Cosby's at Anti State University. I was like the field marshal for the business school. I had to carry the the schools like I don't know whatever they called. I don't know. I was sitting there and. He gave a 40-minute commencement speech, and then as soon as he was over, he left the building. He didn't wait around. It was pretty inconsiderate. And then it gave everybody a, an excuse to leave as soon as their kid went across the uh, stage. And by the, by the time the last student crossed the stage, there was like maybe 15 people in the building. It was it was pretty bad. It was like a congressional hearing. Where the many you do yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was empty in there. It was empty in there after Bill Cosby left. So, but he just wouldn't stop talking. Well... Uh, let's, let's let's try and tie all our, our wild discussion together here. All this kind of crazy stuff is going on at every level of the economy, and if you and if you yeah. add that to what stuff is going on around the rest of the world, I mean, Britain can't even find a leader for God's sake. I mean, Ukraine is a disaster. No, resigned, yeah. And uh, and well, now they got a new guy as of today, and uh, and now all of a sudden, can all this stuff sort of get itself get get fixed, or are we still going to be the the big push is going to be you know a hundred companies that, that keep charging a lot. I mean. Can can we fix this at all here? What what are we going to do? To me, it looks like we're kind of unglued. Well, you know, it goes back to that inflation thing. I mean, it, it what what reason why the stock market be, might be going up is because maybe the Fed is still, you know, it's not restrictive enough and it's creating inflation through bank lending. Um, you got you know governments in Europe and and China. They look like they got their money. Presses on. Yeah, their currencies are being—they're devaluing their currencies. I mean, China's devaluing. It has a huge run in devaluation, uh, and they won't admit that it's devaluation. But you know, you got all these central banks printing money. Maybe we're doing a little, uh, little less, so we look pretty good. But you know, if these central banks are printing money, stock market's going to go up. What right? uh, What do you make of the Chinese? Uh, well, the, this guy's continual yank on power, but they appear to have no desire to. Uh, Help out the real the real estate area, and everybody yeah. in the world you know, is, is owed money by the real estate. Area. I mean, I mean, if you were, yeah. to t- I can't even imagine what the total tab is of people in the U.S. that lent those guys money. I mean, it's got to be. I mean, I don't well, know. Well, you know, uh, eight years ago, I mentioned the the housing bubble in China, and some guy right after my comment said, "There's no housing bubble in China." And then you know, I googled this thing called China Ghost Cities, and they they built. I mean, their their provinces were ordered to have eight percent growth, and they were building these ghost cities that nobody lived in. So, I think what's going on in China it makes two thousand eight look like a, a, a tiny, tiny blip, right? And I don't know what it is. I think China. I think they're kind of replicating what Mao did in the early yeah. part of the twentieth century, where he kind of locked in current level of technology with the socialism. I think the Chinese are re- replicating that now, but the level of technology has changed. And they're kind of locking it in, and I think they're going to get run over. Honestly, I think China's going to get run over because they got they, they they're just replicating with Maldives. What if he just with but, a different level of technology? They're locking it in. What if they just bail in his dollar-denominated debt? That's got to be a big number. I don't think they would. I mean, what if they just bail in his dollar-denominated debt? Say, hey, we didn't tell you to do it. 
Yeah. Well, if they start selling our debt, I mean, now the Treasury's got to compete with the Fed. No, I'm not talking about their, our debt. I'm talking about oh. our debt. The stuff that people oh. here invested over there, the dollar, the dollar oh, debt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't. I mean, yeah. you never. I, I don't hear about that at all in the last year. And for a while, it was it was news. Now it's not. It's got to be worse. Anyway, I'll take yeah, care. I don't think. Yeah. Take care of yourself. I'll talk at you next week. Okay. Let's see if you're down nine. Nasdaq's right. turned positive, up three. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. Where's the money, Lebowski? Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.